Welcome to the brightest audience in the country. I'm Fred Williams, host of Real Science Radio. And I'm Doug McBurney, amateur comedian and philosopher. Fred, this week we want to welcome to the Real Science Radio Airwaves Professor of Biology Thomas Seafried of Boston College. Dr. Seafried received his PhD in genetics and biochemistry from the University of Illinois. He holds a master's in genetics from Illinois State. Dr. Seafried served with distinction in the 1st Cavalry during the Vietnam War, and in addition to awards and medals from the Army, he's received awards from the American Oil Chemist Society, the National Institutes of Health, and the American Society for Neurochemistry, among others. Dr. Seafried has a wife and three kids. He's the author of Cancer is a Metabolic Disease, which was recently translated into Chinese. Dr. Seafried, we're excited to have you here on Real Science Radio. Welcome, sir. Oh, thank you very much. It's nice to be here. So, Dr. Seafried, you were actually recommended to us by a listener who told us about what your research has been showing and that you've been actually shouting from the rooftops for a decade or more about cancer. And this listener told us that uh, we should give you the Real Science Radio platform to shout from. I've spent some time looking at your videos and some transcripts and some of the work you've done. To me, it's just really fascinating. That's why we really wanted to get to this. So I also looked up, what is cancer? So the first thing when I Google that is I come to cancer.gov, which is the National Cancer Institute. And the first link that gives you when you ask what is cancer is that cancer is a genetic disease. That is, it is caused by changes to genes that control the way our cells function, especially how they grow and divide and you've got really another theory on that, and I was hoping that you could get into that for us. Yeah, thanks. Well, yeah, that's what you'd find on the NCI. The real definition of cancer is cell division out of control or dysregulated cell division. That's what cancer is. The argument or the current somatic mutation theory, which was what you read, says that the out-of-control growth of cells is caused by gene mutations. Our view is that the out-of-control growth is due to a defect in another organelle of the cell called the mitochondrion, which is the organelle that develops or produces energy through the use of oxygen. These are two fundamental different explanations for the same phenomenon, cell division out of control. So, in our view, the dysregulated cell growth comes from the transition from using oxygen to using fermentation, which is an old form of, of energy. In other words, energy without oxygen. And that leads to dysregulated cell growth. And most of what the entire cancer field is studying, which are mostly downstream effects of dysregulated energy metabolism within the cell. Well, thank you for that, Dr. Seafried. I wanted to first, because I'm the amateur comedian and philosopher here on Real Science Radio, when you say cancer is a metabolic disease, what I want to do for the audience is just define metabolism. 
Metabolism, the simple definition for those of us who are amateurs, is the sum of the chemical reactions that take place within each cell of a living organism and that provide energy for all the vital processes and for synthesizing new organic material. And so your theory is in the area of the actual metabolic action. Yeah, you're right. Listen, it's a very simple, simple, very simple. Without energy, nothing grows. Without energy, we're dead. So the question is, how does the cell and all of us get our energy? And the answer is we, most of us uh, who are walking and talking, breathe, <laughs> breathe oxygen and we produce ATP, which is the chemical currency for energy. Cancer cells are very different. They don't use oxygen for energy. As a matter of fact, I tell that Warburg and others have shown a long time ago, and we did too, that cyanide will kill people very, very quickly. And that's where they got the term drinks the Kool-Aid. When you drink cyanide, you die very, very fast. Tumor cells don't die in cyanide. So the question is, how is it possible that these cells can survive cyanide? So if someone were to have a tumor and drink cyanide, the person would be dead, but the cancer cells would still be alive because they use an alternative form of energy. They use energy that existed prior to oxygen entering the planet, like 2.5 billion years ago or something. And uh, those cancer cells have simply fallen back on these. They don't use oxygen for energy. So once you know that, what do they use then? What could they be using? They use glucose, the sugar glucose, and the amino acid glutamine. And those are the two fuels that are driving the dysregulated cell growth in these tumor cells. So the fact that they can't use oxygen for energy and they're dependent on ancient fermentation <clears throat> pathway then outlines a plan a relatively simple, non-toxic way to kill the, the tumor cells. And what we do is people, mice, dogs, or whatever, we transition them away from glucose through dietary manipulation, elevating ketone bodies, which are an alternative fuel. When people stop eating glucose, our body starts to mobilize fats in stored fats, and they break down these fats into water-soluble ketone bodies. And these ketone bodies can replace glucose. And then we go after and target the glucose and the glutamine driving the tumor. It will work on all major cancers, as we've described. All major cancers are a simple, singular disease of fermentation metabolism. Unfortunately, this information is uh, not recognized or accepted. Not that it's accepted. I think it's just ignored. But these are the fundamental underlyings of what cancer is, dysregulated cell growth driven by a fermentation metabolism. Yeah, so basically what you're saying, there's a difference in the mitochondria. Cancer starts in the mitochondria, it sounds like you're saying, whereas mm -hmm. the normal way is to use oxygen to get your ATP. But there's this thing that we've noticed in tumor cells, and correct me if I'm wrong, that instead, because of defects that happen in the mitochondria that there's a fermentation process so you've come up with if we can recognize that that's really what the cause of cancer is it sounds like we've been treating the symptom and not the disease if we can actually recognize that the cause of cancer is problems in the mitochondria that mess up how the energy is produced that we can go a long ways with that and i think that's where your ketogenic diet comes into play it kind of changes or it provides the right kind of energy into the cells and it's not as toxic. And there's actually been studies, and I, I've seen some of yours, like with brain tumors that have been proven to be effective. 
So mm-hmm. I find that really interesting. You know, on Real Science Radio, we would believe it's just there's a breakdown that, that occurred at some point in our bodies in the way things work. We actually believe we're slightly, very, very slightly devolving over time. We believe there was a breakdown there. So we might have a slight disagreement on how it got there, but it sounds like, and if I summed it up, okay, let me know, but there's a breakdown in how the mitochondria is producing the energy. And so once we recognize that, we can actually have a more effective way of battling cancer. Yes, that's right. And the issue, of course, is that this was first described in the last century by the German scientist Otto Warburg. And he clearly indicated and he provided large amounts of data showing that the tumor cells produce this waste product of fermentation, which is lactic acid, which is a waste product of glucose fermentation. And that set off the, he was the first one to say that cancer was a type of mitochondrial metabolic disease. The problem Uh, He did not know about amino acid fermentation, the second major fuel that's driving these tumor cells. That's what we've come up with to fill in some of the missing pieces of Warburg's theory that cancer is a metabolic disease. So he was focusing entirely on the output of lactic acid. And also confusion came when people measured oxygen consumption in cancer cells and showed that some cancer cells consume more oxygen than normal cells, which then made many, many people, and even today, many people still feel that the oxygen consumption in tumor cells is indicative of energy through oxidative phosphorylation. And we have now shown, and others have shown, that is not true. These cancer cells can consume oxygen, but they don't make energy with it. They make these reactive oxygen species, which are radicals that damage proteins, lipids, and DNA, and they cause the mutations that the people are focusing on. So the mutations that the industry, academic and pharmaceutical industries are focusing on are downstream products of destabilized energy metabolism. So this concept of precision medicine and uh, personalized medicine using these drugs that will target, this is all misdirected. This is not what's going to resolve cancer. And you, and you can see that from every year, the number of dead people from cancer continues to increase. Breast cancer has now overtaken heart disease as the number one killer of women, colon cancer, lung cancer. The only reason lung cancer went down is the anti-smoking campaigns from the 1990s. So uh, they've made no major advances in stopping lung cancer using precision medicine, mainly because the precision medicine and most of the treatments that are being done are based on the somatic mutation theory, which we have now undermined. It's not a genetic disease. It's a mitochondrial metabolic disease. And once you start targeting these fermentable fuels with diets and low-dose drugs, you get remarkable control of the cancer, and you can actually completely eliminate it. We, we have a paper that was submitted recently in a dog with mast cell tumor on its face, one of the more leading causes of cancer in dogs, completely resolved with a restricted diet that brings down glucose and elevates ketones. So you can see the effects in people, dogs, for all major cancers. The problem is that this is just not believed, despite the evidence. I mean, it's, it's hard to understand how even though you have all of this evidence to show that cancer cannot use oxygen for energy and is dependent on fermentation, 
people think it's too simple. And and that's what happened with Otto Warburg. They said, well, his theory of cancer is just simply too simple. And people like complexity. And that's why I refer to the whole industry as a Rube Goldberg machine. They, they want these very complicated ways to make it think that your disease is so complicated that we have to bring in these supercomputers to figure out all the mutations. This has not advanced our understanding of cancer one bit. So, uh, and people are dying in greater numbers, as you're right, in China that has overtaken heart disease, over 8,000 people in China die each day. In the United States, it's over almost 1,700 people a day are dying from cancer. I mean, this is an epidemic and it's continuing. It's not getting better. New cases are contributing, continuing. So once we realize that cancer is a metabolic disease, we will drop the death rate in this disease probably by 50% in 10 years and even greater in 20 years. Once people understand what it is, it's going to be like the AIDS epidemic. If you remember back, AIDS was almost a certainty of death. And then they developed the cocktail, the AIDS cocktail, which dropped the AIDS death rate almost completely in a very short period of time. Well, we can do the very same thing with cancer, but it's just not accepted yet because people are driven by all the things you hear on television at night, or Optivo, Keytruda, chance to live longer, and all this kind of stuff. The chance to live longer is like 2.4 months, and some of those drugs will actually kill you before the tumor does. As a wow. matter of fact, almost 50% of people are dying from the treatments of the diseases as from the disease. I, I, I realize that. So we, we have a real problem with the cancer. And, and once we realize what it is and that it's a metabolic disease, then you're going to start to see massive changes in overall survival and quality of life improvement. You mentioned the dogma behind this. And I know that when you have that kind of dogma in science, with anything really, is well in science you've got funding. Are you going to get enough funding if you're not pushing the current paradigm, which is like you said, somatic mutations, mutations in the body are what causes cancer. And if you're right, and it sounds like, and you've got some decent evidence to support your point of view. In fact, we'll put a link to one of your presentations where you provide this evidence. But if you're right, and if Otto Warburg is right, then we're going to make a lot more progress if we get off this current dogma of just focusing on somatic mutations, because that sounds like that's just the symptom. You know, we've had shows on immunology as a treatment for cancer. And while it shows some promise from what you're saying is that you're just treating the symptoms. And in the long run, it's, it's definitely going to be better to nip this thing in the bud at actually where it starts and start treating the mitochondria treat that as, Hey, this thing's super important. If you have good mitochondria, you're not going to have cancer or your cancer will start to abate. Yeah, that's right. That's the key. The key is that it's very difficult to get cancer if your mitochondria remain healthy. And this is the situation. And people say, well, how do you, how does your mitochondria become corrupted to generate dysregulated cell growth? And that was referred to as the oncogenic paradox by Albert St. Georgi where he said, you know, so many things in the environment can precipitate or be linked to the dysregulated cell growth. People know that if you're exposed to radiation, that could damage mitochondria, oxidative phosphorylation, leading to dysregulated cell growth. It was a whole array of carcinogens that people recognize. They call these chemicals carcinogens primarily because they have been linked to cancer. I have shown that most of those carcinogens damage oxidative phosphorylation 
in the mitochondria leading to a gradual transition to a fermentation metabolism, just like Otto Warburg showed, intermittent hypoxia, chronic inflammation, all of these kinds of things will chronically damage mitochondria. A chronic inflammation has been linked to the obesity epidemic, which then is linked. Obesity now has surpassed smoking as a, as a major risk factor for the development of cancer. Then you have these oncogenic viruses like papillomavirus, hepatitis C virus. I have shown that these viruses or the products of the virus chronically damage oxfos, shifting the cell over to a fermentation metabolism. So how mitochondria become damaged to cause dysregulated cell growth could be any number of things. Even the so-called inherited mutations that you hear about, like BRCA1, Angelina Jolie, the actress, made that kind of famous by having her ovaries and breasts removed as a prophylactic. But 50% of women that have BRCA1 never develop breast cancer. So we call the, the inherited mutations as a risk factors. They're secondary, not primary. The primary cause of cancer is damage to the oxidative phosphorylation, the ability of the cell to generate energy through oxygen. And that could happen by any number of things, either that we inherit or from the environment. But none of these things are 100%. The only thing that's 100% linked to cancer is the shift from oxygen energy to fermentation energy. We see that in every major cancer. So that's the Achilles heel. That's the weakness. So once we know that, then we can develop, and we already have developed, we use these repurposed drugs that are off patent, parasite medications. As long as the body is first transitioned to therapeutic ketosis, the cancer cells become extremely vulnerable to very low non-toxic doses of certain drugs. It's astonishing. And uh, the problem is people say, well, well there's, no, there's no clinical trials to support what I'm saying. And the answer is, yeah, who's going to do a clinical trial to show that simple repurposed drugs and a, and a diet can manage the majority of cancers? Think about the impact that would have on the thousands of grants through the NIH and all of the pharmaceutical drugs mm -hmm. that are being developed at very high cost. So the interest in developing a non-toxic therapy for a very very deadly disease is not there right now. So, and as I said in my recent papers, I said, until a business model is developed around what I'm saying, it's not likely to be mainstream anytime soon. And so a doctor, just mind boggling, first of all, just mind boggling that you point out it's Rube Goldberg versus Occam's razor. Yeah. And I can tell you, doctor, there's not going to be a business model. And this is where my belief that the free market, unrestrained and unguided by love for your fellow man and respect for the creator, cannot solve problems like this. This problem could be solved not by money, but only by love. So only because we love our fellow man would we be motivated to walk away from the grants and all the money that we've spent and everything we've invested in our career and our academic library and say, you know what, we were wrong. And because we love our fellow man, we need to change what we're doing. And I am just, my mind is blown. I'm honored to have you on. And I'm so excited that you talk about oxidizing phosphoration, or did I say it right? Oxidative phosphorylation, yeah. And, and anyone... <laughs> oxidative phosphorylation. 
just say that one three times. But if you want to know more about that, check out Real Science Radio. We did a show called Molecular Biology and the Breath of Life. And it's about the fact that respiration is about more than breathing. And it gets into all of this. And so, Dr. Seafried, we have covered targeted therapies on Real Science Radio for it seems like coming up on a decade and it's only now speaking with you that we're reminded that the promise that we thought we saw going on a decade ago, perhaps the reason it hasn't produced the advances we had hoped is because we're trying to target. I mean, how many mutations can there be doctor that we're trying to target? Well, I mean, that's a great, now listen, there's even something even more astonishing. Yes, with the new genomic sequence, the multi-billion dollar cancer genome atlas, there's been over 1 million mutations that have now been detected in various types of cancer cells. But some of the newer findings, now they break the mutations down into driver mutations and passenger mutations. So the driver mutations are those that are supposed to be the key defects that drive the dysregulated cell growth. Whereas then you have other kinds of mutations that seem to be just going along for the ride. They're genes that have been mutated, but they don't seem to play a major role in the dysregulated cell growth. So they're referred to as passengers rather than the drivers. The drivers are supposedly, according to the somatic mutation theory, they are the key drivers that should be targeted and recognized. Now with newer data that's coming out over the last few years, when you take samples of our tissues, those of us who have no cancer, that are healthy, young people, older people, doesn't make any difference, and you start to do genomic sequence in normal tissues of people that don't have cancer, you find all these mutations in driver genes in people that have no cancer. So how is it possible that you could define uh, cancer being due to driver mutations when we have all kinds of driver mutations in normal cells and tissues that never become cancer? We also find with deep sequencing that there are some tumor cells that have no mutations, yet they're dysregulated in their cell growth. So we're getting all these inconsistencies in our ancestral folks that live in the kind of environments that they came from don't have cancer. Very rare. Like Albert Schweitzer, the great humanitarian physician, found that cancer was extremely rare in African populations that lived according to their diet and lifestyle that they have always had. And same with the Eskimos. It's only when these folks start getting into the Western diet and lifestyle that you begin to see all these chronic diseases emerging, type 2 diabetes, cancer, heart disease, all of these kinds of things. It seems to be cancer and many others are a disease of our diet and lifestyle. And going back to the kinds of foods and exercise and things that we had in the past will significantly reduce the risk of all of these chronic diseases. You know, Dr. Seafried, there's actually a, a real-time experiment that my family has watched, and it's the nation of Japan. Japan, before it became Western, there was virtually no cancer in Japan. And now, 75 years after the westernization of Japan and the diet has changed significantly. And the same thing can be said for Korea. The very similar experiments in real time that show that diet and lifestyle are important. Is there a way that we can proactively keep our mitochondria healthy? 
Yeah. Now we're talking about prevention. Okay. Because, because most people do not engage in the kinds of diet and lifestyle that would protect them from cancer. Once they get cancer, then they say, Hey, what can you do for me now that I have the disease? Oh yeah. Okay. So our paleolithic period, when we were mostly hunter gatherers, they were always in a therapeutic ketone. We had very little carbohydrates in the environment. Let's be honest. In order to get something to eat, you had to go out and track down some animal, kill it, cook it. You know, this was a lot of energy, a lot of exercise, and you're eating a, a very lean kind of, of food. There was very, not many vegetables. You know, occasionally there would be fruits and things seasonal, but our existence, which was no, like you just said, before the diet and lifestyle changed, we were pretty cancer-free. And, you know, we had infections and things like this that would kill you, broken bones that weren't healed properly. But we weren't dying from chronic diseases like we are today. But you're right about that. So you protect your mitochondria by allowing them to burn ketone bodies. If you stop eating for 36 hours, you burn up the stored glucose, which is in the form of glycogen, mostly in the liver and the kidneys and some other uh, muscles have a lot of glycogen, but they don't share the glycogen. They need it for a quick reaction to a threat. But we, after 36 hours, now we start cutting into, we have to mobilize energy from fat storage. And the fats are put into the blood, they go to the liver, and the liver chops them up into these water-soluble ketone bodies. And the heart and brain and all of our organs do this. And when our tissues start to burn ketone bodies, they get super energetic my former late colleague, Dr. Bud Veach at the NIH, showed how ketone bodies are super fuels. You can actually get more bang for your buck energetically from a ketone body than you can from either a fatty acid or a glucose. So we get reduced oxygen radicals. We, we reduce aging. We reduce all of the things that would wear and tear on the mitochondria when we start burning ketones. So the question you have to ask is, oh, wow, let's prevent cancer. Okay, let's see how many people want to go into therapeutic ketosis, water-only fasting, and these kinds of things to enhance the health and vitality of their mitochondria so they don't get chronic diseases. I mean, this doesn't go over well for <laughs> basketball games. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you're not going to have a whole stadium drinking water out of a, out of a thermos, right, during a football game. It's you interesting, know, uh, though, that Fasting is one of the things that would be very helpful to the mitochondria. And also your uh, ketogenic diet. Is that something you recommend both hand in hand? It sounds like they both would yeah, be fairly yeah, well, effective. You know, I said, you know, when I talk to my students in groups, I said, it's always easy to talk about fasting on a full stomach. You know, it's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> what about yeah. intermittent fasting? Oh, yeah. been, that's been the yeah. latest craze. I imagine that probably helps to some degree, right? Or is it? Yes, it does. Okay. Yes, it does. Or do you have to go Actually, hardcore? Like if you only intermittent fast, is it not enough to switch your body over to burning the uh, fats to get the right kind of? Yeah, intermittent fasting, it only helps by giving your digestive system a break. Okay, um, but so you really have to real... do more hardcore fasting to really yeah. get the mitochondria so, healthy. Yeah, what we found is it's extremely difficult to go cold turkey on this food. The brain is addicted to glucose almost as much as cocaine, alcohol, or whatever or nicotine, you know, it's called withdrawal. I mean, you go through withdrawal symptoms and anybody doesn't believe me, try going cold turkey, not eating for three days. You'll come to know. So, but we have a plan for, at least for the cancer patients and also for folks that just want to get healthy, go one week with a zero carb diet. Now you can eat fish and meat and things like this, but you don't take any carbs into your body. And that's not easy either. I mean, you start really craving a muffin 
Stop the tape. Stop the tape. This is Doug McBurney. And this is Fred Williams. And we're jumping into the middle of our own show because it's going to go along. We're going to go into another show. And Dr. Seafried, fascinating, smart, intelligent, but a secular biologist. So you may have noticed some old earth, some billions of years, illusions slipping in there. Don't worry. We're going to address them in the next show. So stay tuned because we will be back to finish this fascinating interview about cancer is a metabolic disease and we'll address some of that old earth stuff as well so look forward to part two with dr seafried next week intelligent design and dna scholars can't explain it all the way